Yo, what's good, everybody? And this week's episode is brought to you guys by Geology. Geology is an award-winning skincare brand which personalizes in giving men high-quality skincare product. Guys, you need to get on a daily skincare routine. A lot of you guys keep on asking me, saying, Hafiz, what do you do for your skin? Guys, skincare routine, hop on Geology. Go to their website, guys. They, you're able to take a um, short diagnostics quiz, be able to see exactly what you need. I'm telling you guys, this nourishment eye cream is great. I've been telling you, if you're putting in the work, if you're leveling up, if you're hustling, you can start seeing backs underneath your eyes. Ladies don't like that. You shouldn't like that. So this nourishment eye cream is great. Guys, go ahead and go to Geology's website and use the offer code roommates to go ahead and get 30% off. One more time, guys, use the offer code roommates. Link is in the description below. Go to Geology's website and you'll be able to get 30% off. Guys, remember, as you are leveling up, you have to take care of your physical avatar and your physical appearance. And the first thing everybody sees is your face. So get on Geology. Link in the description below. You will thank me later. And also, this week's episode of the podcast is brought to you guys by Sheaf Underwear. Guys, you know how we've been working out. You know how that we've also been leveling up physically, guys. And one of the my favorite things about Sheaf Underwear is it's like high-quality performance underwear. I'm talking about you can wear this into the gym, and it feels great like a girdle. You can wear this on a date. You can wear this just hanging around the house, guys. I'm telling you, I'm a huge fan of sheep underwear. I'm not going to lie to you guys. When they sent me a couple, I, I wanted more. I, I was like, yo, I want to buy some more right now, guys. Go to sheepunderwear.com slash roommate and you get 20% off the entire store. Use the offer code roommate at checkout. Guys, the fabrics, the material is exceptional. You know, I only give you guys the best quality material, guys. So go ahead. If you're working out, if you're going on dates, if you're living life, if you're wearing underwear, <laughs> which hopefully none of you guys just go in command all the time, you need sheep underwear. So go to sheepunderwear.com slash roommate. You go ahead and get yourself 20% off the entire store. Use offer code roommates at checkout. Thank you guys so much. And let's get to this week's episode. This week on the Roommates Podcast. That was one of the toughest things. You you find out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, under, you start to understand, man. Just like when you go to the club and you you know the ones that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, they ain't really about nothing. They yeah. got no substance. They want you to buy the drinks and yeah, get you yeah. in for free. Yeah. And then they ain't about that life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. They ain't really about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so after a couple of disappointments, like I learned pretty quickly, like yeah. there's certain types that want to be with you in that moment. Can, like, can, can you tell us a story? Because oh, <laughs> you're a superstar, man. We got to hear. So what What was the story of like a, a girl or where you thought she was really into you, but it turned out she was just there for... Oh, man. It was a... <laughs> I mean, it's embarrassing to talk about now. Man, come on, come <laughs> nah, on. I'll give you a story. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we basically. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Afis, and welcome to another episode. I hope you guys are having a great day, and. This week, guys, I am really excited to bring you somebody new to the roommates family, guys. This is kind of really crazy who about the, about how I met this guy, but we'll talk about that as we get on. But this guy 
is somebody that I looked up to when I was younger because this dude was a hero. This dude was a rock star. We recently got reconnected, and I'm so excited about the value and gems he can provide to you young men. So without further ado, please, guys, welcome my big brother, the one and only Rennie Curran. Yes, sir. What's going on, man? What up, Rennie? <laughs> man, it's, it's crazy to be sitting across from you right now just because, you know, I started watching you all, man, and I didn't even put two and two together. Like, <laughs> you changed so much that, like, I started, uh, I don't know when it was, I I, um, I think I commented and then you reached out to me yeah. and it just clicked them up like, wow, that's that's dude from way back, <laughs> little bro from way back when. And yeah. Proud of you, man, just to see uh, the, the content that you're putting out, what you stand for, and uh, building up, you know, future leaders, man, young men, which I think is extremely important. Man, I appreciate that, Brittany. That's crazy because it's just like <laughs> how how life just takes people on different journeys and then right. like all of a sudden you come back together. Because I, I didn't even know that. Like, I thought you intentionally followed the page because you saw it was me, but you were like, <laughs> you just saw the content. You thought it was good. You followed yeah. it and all of a sudden it was like, oh, snap, it's Hafiz from back in the day. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. Like, time flies so so fast, yeah. man. And, yeah. And uh, like I said, it just stuck out to me. The more and more I watched it, man, and you reached out. And whatnot, like I, I, I was like, I know that face was somewhere. It's, like, it's just been so long. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, I know. I and know. So uh, yeah, just, just proud of everything you're doing, man, yeah. and, and glad we can, we can sit down here. I was like, man, I, man, one day I, I definitely want to be on this show, uh, and get man, some insight. Dope. So here we are. That's man. dope. That's dope. So yeah. Randy, I know who you are. For right. people who don't know who you are, what you do, can you give us a bit of an elevator pitch synopsis. Yeah. So basically, man, I'm a former professional athlete. Played at the University of Georgia. Was able to be drafted by Tennessee Titans, the Buccaneers. Went up to Canada with the Edmonton Eskimos and BC Lions. Now I'm a full time keynote speaker, uh, workshop uh, facilitator, and a personal development coach. So I speak on things like uh, team. Um, leadership, team building, high performance, mindset, personal branding, and then also, um, you know, work with organizations such as schools, businesses, associations, really just been building my brand, man, and, and um, transitioning, as you know, man, from athlete to entrepreneur yeah. was extremely tough, but I've been able to take a lot of those principles, man, and apply it to what I do now as an author, as a keynote speaker, and as a coach. So, um, yeah, I'm just passionate about helping people reach their fullest potential. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I remember... So I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a tell a story. And you jump in whatever. <laughs> all right. But all right. so, me and Randy are from um, Gwinnett County, the number one sports county in America. That's right. I don't care that's what right. Nobody else says <laughs> number yes, one sir. sports county in America. So, in in high school, I was a uh, sophomore year of high school. Yeah. I was third string junior varsity cornerback. Mm. Yeah, third string junior varsity cornerback. And I was in love with high school football. I, right. I mean, I was obsessed. So I would always read the newspaper articles. I was always on the AJC Super 11. I was always just interested in who was the best because obviously I wanted to be the best one day, right? Right, right. And so there was a player whose name would always pop up in the front page of the newspaper <laughs> every single week for 25 tackles, 30 tackles, oh, man. Four, four and a half sacks. And that guy was Rennie Current. Yeah. And I was like, man, this dude is a beast. Mm. I remember we played you guys, obviously with the South, my sophomore year, and yeah. you just dominated, man. <laughs> <laughs> this dude, Randy, was everywhere, all over the field. Yeah, bro. So fast forward to my junior year, and unfortunately, I got killed, kicked off the football team. Mm. Long story, but it is what it is. Got removed yeah. from the football team. And obviously, I was super depressed, super sad. And but you know, you eventually get over it, right? right so, right. I went to um, I think we had a game one day, and me and my sister went to the game. Mm. And then, while I was at this game, 
I saw this giant behemoth of a man. <laughs> and I was like, that man looks like the juggernaut. <laughs> you know, back then I was like 130. I was so small. Like That's this funny. giant man. That's and I was like, is that Rennie Curran? <laughs> and then, and then I, I remember I was like, man, I got to talk to this dude. Like he's a super superstar to me. So I remember walking up to you and talking to you. And you were probably one of the friendliest, mm. kindest. Like you were just like a regular, like you were a superstar to everybody else. But you were just a regular guy not regular obviously but like you were just so kind and down to earth yeah, and i remember we exchanged facebooks at that time and then every time i had a question i would always message you and you would always respond <laughs> i'm like this dude is so nice to me man and That's so funny. it's funny that like that that stood out to me yeah man like you being such a huge star mm. but you also being such a kind person yeah that meant a lot to me when i was 15 years old you mm. know what i mean right, because right, right. it was like you didn't really see those two things a lot. Mm -hmm. And that really established a desire in my heart to really want to always be that kind of man. Wow. No matter how big the stardom grows, I always want to be a kind, amazing person. Yeah. And so I was a huge fan of you, man. Followed you through UGA, followed you through Tennessee, you know, and all that stuff. And so no. nah, man, I just think I think it was I think that part was just really dope meeting you, man. You and you just being so cool of a guy. Yeah, man. <laughs> and and uh Really, that starts with my foundation, man. Like most people who know about me, they know about my family. Both of them being Liberian immigrants who came here. Mom came here uh, to Atlanta on scholarship to Emory, ten dollars in her pocket, hopes and dreams. Oh, wow. You know, at like the age I am now, at thirty one, thirty two, which I can't imagine. Then my dad came after she was finished, bought into a shoe repair shop um, after he had learned his way around, and uh, both of them being the oldest in their families. They helped a, a lot of our family come to this country and just like sacrifice, man. And oh, wow. the most humble people. Mm. Like I'm talking about just like we grew up uh Buford Highway, you know, for most of y'all who, who from Atlanta, yeah, you know yeah, Buford yeah, Highway, yeah, North yeah. Hills, yeah. I say Pink Pony. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Across the street from Pink Pony. Like yeah. so man, just uh real humble beginnings, man. Just grew up in three bedroom apartment. Just uh we we uh, you know, Ten, when I was 10 years old, that's when we moved to Gwinnett. Yeah. But we still had that, you know, just that humble mentality, man. And even after we got to Gwinnett, man, it was a struggle. Um, dad lost his business. Mom mm. uh, got really sick from a surgery and uh, almost died. So mm. during that whole time of high school, man, that that was like my motivation. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, because my, my sister, oldest sister, she was trying to go to Emory as well. But because she didn't have her green card, immigration paper straight, they took a lot of her scholarships. Dang. And so, yeah, so you got mom on her deathbed, you got dad losing his business, you got sister. They, they basically took all their life savings and, um, you know, paid it towards her going to, to college. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, me being the youngest yeah. of three, man, I knew like the only way I was going to get to University of Georgia or like any major college was yeah. if I didn't lay some, some dudes out. Man, and, and you laid them out. <laughs> and, yeah, I had to go water boy, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it, it was it was a grind, it was a struggle, but you know it all started from that foundation, just humility, faith, you know, work ethic, and that's just what I knew. So I don't have an arrogant bone in my body, man, and I, I really don't understand the people who are arrogant because like your abilities, your talents, your skills, your life can be taken at any minute. Like mm. things can change in a heartbeat. Yeah. And so I've always been a big be uh, believer in humility, regardless of what you achieve. Now, that's awesome, man. I think the immigrant story is such, yeah. is such one that causes natural humility because mm -hmm. you know what it's like to be at the bottom. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I was the first in my family to even go down that route of playing any type of sport. Yeah. Like, let alone high school, college, whatever. So how, so how open were your parents to you playing football? 
Man, my parents didn't really know, <laughs> know anything about football, like, whatsoever. I always joke about it, but, like, you know that scene in Coming to America where, uh, you know, the prince goes to the basketball game, or Eddie Murphy goes to the basketball game, yeah. and it's halftime. He's like, yes! <laughs> like, that was my parents, bro. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. ain't know anything at all, but they wanted me to be a part of something. They mm. always tried to put me in situations where I could better myself, and that's part of that immigrant mentality, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, before I even got into to sports... Um, my mother got me into music first. So oh, I, really? Yeah. Like up. band? Yeah, uh, piano, man. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So, you still play? Yes, yeah, still <laughs> play to this day, man. <laughs> so she got me uh, playing the piano, played the drums in church, you know, because, you, you know, you yeah, always got to yeah, go yeah. to church, yeah, man. Yeah. And then I played in the orchestra from middle school to junior year yeah. of high school, man. So that was a big part of my life. But yeah, it was all about development. It's all about capitalizing on opportunities, which, you know, is a definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. part of that immigrant mindset, man. So... Yeah, it, it was just, you know, everything uh, to them to see me become the best version of myself. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's let's start off with high school because I'm very curious what it's like to be a superstar athlete. Oh, oh, correct me if I'm wrong. In high school, did you win state in weightlifting? I did wait win, yeah, man. So, like, I remember, like, everybody has, uh, like, we basically you have, like, a, a bench, squat, clean, like number that you always wanted to get on the mm. record boards, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> and like I was probably like, man, I want my overall lift record to be like 450. Right. And that's like what <laughs> Rennie benched. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, so what was the records that, I know you set a lot of state records yeah. in lifting. So for the people who, who obviously see the tequila spikes neck <laughs> and, the, and the arms, but what were those records that you broke in weightlifting? Man, uh, I mean, honestly, bro, it wasn't even about the records. It, yeah. it was just about, like, that grind once again. And I remember walking into the weight room as yeah. a ninth grader and just looking at that board and telling myself, man, I, I want to be on that board. Like, I want to be the best to ever come through. Yeah. And at this time, you had David Green. You had, yeah. you know, coming out of the University of Georgia, Thomas Davis. Like, mm -hmm. all these legends. Yeah. Uh, so I, I looked at them as legends and whatnot. And my goal was just to, man, come in there just to be different. Mm -hmm. And I, I had that chip on my shoulder because I said, like, my family was struggling, man. I wonder why you're so, knocking people out, man. <laughs> no, yeah, no, bro, I so, know where it came from, man. Yeah, and, and then another thing, major thing happened during that time, man, and this happens to a lot of people. Like, you you run up into adversity. And mine was, man, my, my uh, coach my freshman year, and we didn't get along at all, man. Really? And I actually played running back, you know, growing up. So mm. I got switched from running back to linebacker. Got pissed off, man, and like I told myself that I was either gonna be, either gonna make every single play, or I was gonna be near the ball. Like there was no other option, and so I. Did you play varsity your freshman year? After after that moment. Oh so wow! <laughs> I, I literally went like I mean I I give people the analogy of, uh you know water boy all the time, but that's literally like what I turned into just killing yeah. every single thing moving. Then I got moved up to varsity uh, after my uh, after my freshman season, man, and. That all was just part of this mentality of just becoming the best version of myself, like having that growth mindset. Even even before I even knew what a growth mindset was, I was establishing that. And for me, it was like going into the weight room and, you know, looking at, you know how they give you the sheet yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was telling myself, man, I got to do more. Like, wow. really setting my own standard for myself. And so if it said 200, I'm putting... You know, two thirty on. Dang. Said, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he said three hundred. You know, yeah. I'm putting three fifty. Like, yeah, yeah. coach would get he would get mad at me sometimes, but I knew what I had in in me. Yeah. And I think so many of us allow like our circumstance circumstances to determine the standards of which we approach life. Mm. And so that that's where it all started, man. And by the end of my senior year, man, when I left 
uh, high school, man, because of all those small incremental efforts and, and just going a little bit more harder. Uh, I left Brookwood benching 425, squatting about 515, and cleaning about 320. Yeah. Yeah. That's strong. Yeah. <laughs> that man yeah. is strong, man. Goodness right. gracious. And the key here, man, is is uh, it wasn't all success, man. A lot of it was failing over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And I realized that, like, every time I would fail, like, I was still building more muscle. Mm. And every time I get, like, it was like I would fail one week, and then I'll come back again, and I'll get it. And then I'll go up again, 10 pounds, fail. And then next week, I'll come back and get it. Mm. And I just, like, became... Um, addicted to failure. Wow. Yeah, because I knew it would lead to eventual success. Mm, no, that's a great that is a great line right there. I became addicted to failure because I knew it would lead to eventual success. Yeah. Because I think so many people, mm-hmm. unlike you, when they get hit, they stay down. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you said, like a lot of people are so afraid of failure. Right, right, and right, they don't right. push themselves out of fear that if I push myself, then I will fail. Right. So, what what do you think was that thing that made you like a lot of people hearing that you were in love with failure? That mm-hmm. that's insane to me. Right, like, what, right. <laughs> like what was that thing that made you at such a young age, 16, 17, 15 years old, that mm. made you fall in love with failure? Man, I, I think it was just the 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 prospect of growth, like the possibility of growth and like just taking that next step and things never being enough. Like mm. I always knew that I had more out and I trusted in God. Like mm. that my faith had a big part of doing it. So even if my back was against the wall, bro, like mm-hmm. even if I knew I didn't have a chance, I was still going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And that just became part of my identity. And I was able to also separate the outcome, right, from my identity. Like mm-hmm. I didn't let the outcome and like the results determine who I was as a person. That's really good. I just knew it was it was just part of that process. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, to the point, I was, even outside of the weight room, bro, I was going up to UGA long before they even had me on their radar. Really? Yes, bro. Like, that's what people, I wish I could I could tell so many people this story, man. But like 14, 15 years old, bro, I was up at UGA, just this annoying little kid. I got one connection through one of my coaches at that time, Dickie May, Coach May. Mm. And uh, he connected me to a couple guys that were playing at UGA at the time. Like, nobody knew who I was, bro. Oh. I, before I was even on varsity. Like, wow. I literally coach checking me out of class. We going up there. I'm going up with, you know, my, my hoodie on and my Timberlands. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and just like, yeah, man, just putting myself in that situation in, in front of my vision. Wow. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, and, and eventually, man, would come back after getting exposed to my vision and it would just motivate me even more. But yeah, no, I, I really like that idea because it's like you had a vision for the greatness you wanted to achieve mm-hmm. at such a young age. And you literally, so how how old were you when you knew you wanted to go to UGA? I was 10 years old, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, 10 years old. Like I said, parents didn't know anything about it. Had a little league coach that just really exposed me to that whole tradition. He took me to my first game and I still remember, like it was yesterday, sitting yeah. at the fifty-yard line and just like dreaming, man. Mm. You know, seeing the ninety thousand fans. His son, <laughs> his son's name was JT. He played quarterback. I played running back at that time, so he showed me like the the cheer at kickoff and all that. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, from there it just became that obsession, man. Like yeah. this, this is why I want to be. And um, you know, from there, of course, uh, got hit with the adversity and the statistics and the realities of if it would really come true or not. But I was stubborn. So break. I think that's a really good part, right? There. Let's stop yeah. right there. So, so you said you were hit with the statistic and adversity. Yeah. What was those things for those people who, who are not aware of that? So, I mean, 
just to give you the numbers, man, it's like 0.08% actually go from being that young child yeah. with the dream to actually making that um, become a reality, whether mm. that's college or whether that's going in pros. Like I, st I studied the statistics of, uh, of um, other careers that um, basically are similar to going from a little league, a kid in little league to the pros. And one of the careers I found was being an astronaut. Like that's oh, wow. how, yeah, that's how people don't realize, like that's how rare it is to actually achieve that that level mm. um, coming from uh, that point, man. So uh, yeah, it, it was something that I always had in the back of my mind, but I always knew that if I just, you know, kept working, kept taking a step forward, mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what was gonna happen, but my, my goal was just to become the best version of myself. I love that. And, and, and this is a really good part because I think a lot of people get lost here mm -hmm. with a conflicting messages. So I always say there's, that there's a thin line between delusion and perseverance, mm -hmm. right? So one of the things I always talk about is that like, you need to understand what you're asking for in life. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with asking for a 1% life, right? There's nothing wrong with asking for it, but you simultaneously have to be aware that this is a 1% life. Right. So for, unfortunately, a lot of people, they hear 1% life, they're like, well, there's no way I can do that, right. and that number becomes such a deterrent from that mm -hmm. for them that they don't that they don't even try, mm. right? They're they're too afraid, right? And so to me, my question is for people who have these big audacious dreams, but they see this huge, this small percentage of people who achieve it. Right. How are they able to now be confident that they can over be able to achieve this dream before them? I have a saying that I, that I love sharing with uh, a lot of audience I speak to, and it's operate at the level of your vision. Mm. Operate at the level of your vision. So that means like, if you do want to be that 1%, you know, if you do want to become that CEO, you do want to become that professional athlete, you got to step, uh, take a step back mm. and ask yourself, what is my vision of being, becoming a 1%? What does that require of me now? Who do mm. I need to become? What are the habits that I need to establish? What are the videos that I need to be watching? What What type of... You know, people do I need to surround myself with all those things and, and allow that to set the standard right now, like mm. long before. Yeah. Right. And I believe once you can do that, once you can establish those habits, that mindset, uh, just the start to acquire the information, all those things, taking the right steps, believing in yourself, the confidence, you know, ask yourself, what, what level of confidence am I going to have to have to be a one percenter? Like once you can start uh, getting yourself in the mindset of doing it right now. To me, it's it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. It's only a matter of time before you get there or you you get near it. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna get some success yes. by establishing those habits and, and those mannerisms. So what what do you feel is the thin line between delusion and perseverance? So mm -hmm. there are people right now, and I and I make this you know joke about there are some people where they have a dream right. like like to win American Idol, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and but they don't have the ability to sink. Right, right, you know, right, right. so it's <laughs> like, how do you teach people to balance it? Right. Who, for those who may not, you know, be gifted or skilled in the area where they want their dreams to come true. Well, first, I mean, I definitely believe your actions have to be aligned with your vision and your values and like all the things that you say you want to accomplish. That's that's first and foremost. Yeah. Like you can be as talented as you want to be. We all knew, yeah. you know, guys and, and girls who have all the ability in the world. They can sing. They can run as fast as they want to. They're smart or whatever. But their actions tell a completely different story than where they say they want to go. Mm -hmm. So that's the number one thing I would start with. And then after that, you know, make once you make sure that your actions are aligned with your values, your vision, the places that you say you want to go, and you've actually tracked that, 
and you have an understanding of that, then the next thing I would say when it comes to, you know, you know, you said closing the, the lane between delusion and perseverance. Yeah. Hmm. Like how like like somebody comes up to you right. and they say, Randy, I have this one percent dream that I want right, to right, achieve. Right, right. I know the odds. How do you encourage people because one person needs to persevere and keep going right, because right, right. you just gotta put in the work to make your dreams come true. But mm-hmm. somebody else using that American Idol illustration may not be gifted right, right, in that right, area right. they want their dreams to come true. So they may be delusional wanting to be Beyonce when they can barely sink. Right. I mean, one of the things that comes to mind, and you know, I try to share this with somebody, whether they're an athlete or whether they're a business professional, I always tell them, don't don't get so focused on just that end goal of that position mm. to where you miss out on the transferable skills that you're building that can translate to anything. Mm-hmm. Because if you think that you know becoming a professional athlete is all there is to it, or becoming you know a, a CEO or whatever it is, if it doesn't happen, you're gonna feel like like if if that title is like your definition of success, guess what? Eventually you're going to transition. Yeah. You're not going to be that for your entire life. I don't exactly. care who you are. Like Sean Connery just died, you know, the other day. Yeah, like, yeah. Bond. He can be Bond forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you got to look at it from the, the skill standpoint. Like who are you becoming? What skills are you building? That, that's my number one thing. So it's not necessarily about becoming that uh, one percenter. It's about Becoming a one percent type person. Mm, that's great. That's a gem. Yeah, <laughs> you need to right? trademark that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, it, yeah. And, it, and then it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. And that's that's the mistake so many of us athletes this. make, man. I love this. Like, we chase this dream and we just hold it up on this pedestal. Like, yeah. man, this is it. Like, this is the, the this is the ultimate, right? Yeah. And then we get there, bro, and, and we realize like this ain't it mm. because. There's the business side. There's the politics. There's so many things that are out of your control that I don't care how good you are. Yeah. Like, eventually, you're going to get that call that's like, hey, turn your playbook in. Mm. Or if you're an actor, it's going to be like, ain't no roles available. Or mm. if you're in business, it's going to be disruptive innovation. Coronavirus is going to yeah, happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, if those things are like basically your identity or like the reason why you're striving, you're going to be very disappointed. So mm. it has to be about becoming the best version of yourself. A one percent person, yeah, type of thing. It can't. It can't just be about you know that title. No, I, I love this point, and I want to stay there before we jump back into the high school story. I want to stay here because I I, I had this um, illustration about less about this guy. I called him Joe. Mm-hmm. And I said Joe's dream was to be a starting center for the Los Angeles Lakers, mm-hmm. but unfortunately Joe was five foot tall. Right. So my thing was Joe. Your dreams and your ability doesn't match because, unfortunately, to be a center, you have to be a tall player. Right. But going back to what you said is still mm-hmm. play basketball, still work, still, still grind, st- still strive for the goal. Yeah. And by striving for the goal, you become determined. Yep. You, know, you become ambitious. Yep. You become intelligent. You become competent. And then, like you said, you build up the skills mm-hmm. that maybe instead of your dream really being to be a center for the Los Angeles Lakers, you were really supposed to be the GM for the Lakers. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yep. it's like people don't realize that your purpose today is not meant to lead you to the destination that you think you're supposed to achieve. Yep. Sometimes your purpose in this moment is meant to lead you to point A, which will guide you to point B, to C, to D. And so I really love that point that you brought up about not about achieving this goal, but about being that 1% person. Yeah, that, that's it, man. And you could look at across the board so many different industries where like, the CEOs, the executives, most of them were former athletes, mm. or they were. They had a different, uh, you know, uh, 
different position or title in another area of their life. Yeah. But it's like those same principles yeah. that help you become great in one area can definitely help you become great in another. Yeah. And so I'm I'm very, very big on that, man. Just making sure that you don't just let like, you know, the position that you're in, whether it's your second string uh, on your team yeah. or you're not being paid as much as you want to be on your job. Mm -hmm. Like don't let that define you know, you're this the standard that you set for yourself mm. and what you believe you can achieve. Cause like we said, you can transition, you can, you know, those skills, those transferable skills can apply to so many different areas of life. So if you're not developing those things, yeah, you're miss out you're missing out on a major opportunity for growth. No, I love it. I love it. Okay, yeah. so out of curiosity, because I'm I was never a superstar like you. <laughs> but what was it like in high school? Mm. Was it like for you to stay focused when you're like Rennie Curran, All-American, five-star prospect, like what was it like to stay focused mm. around in high school during that time? Man, that's a, that's a great question because I, I feel like it's not so much, uh, you know, the the failures that hold us back. A lot of times it's success. Mm. Like people can't, some people can't handle success, yeah, man. that's real. And so one of the biggest parts of uh, my growth, man, was understanding how to remain humble, man, how to, mm. how to humble myself, keep that chip on my shoulder, how to not let the newspaper articles and, you know, the, the climb get to me, man. And, and just remembering always that, um, you know, my humble beginnings, mm. remembering my past, remembering the times yeah. that I didn't have, remember, yeah. remembering the struggle, man. Yeah. And, and one thing I feel like that always kept me humble, man, was, was the fact that I didn't just get on the team and, was given that promotion or yeah. given that jersey or given the starting spot at every level, whether it was high school, whether it was at UGA or whether it was pros, I had to go weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of not being noticed, of being second, third string scout team, um, the coach not giving me the acknowledgement, whatever, but just going by faith. Mm. Like when I got to high, high school, freshman, sophomore year, I was behind the, the captain of the team. Oh, wow. And so I would literally be his shadow for weeks. Mm. You know, to the point where people are like, man, what are you doing? Get off, get off the field. Like, yeah, I'll be yeah. <laughs> I'll be practicing. I'll be like like 20 yards behind them, just yeah. like in my stance, like going through the motions. Yeah. And then week seven, week eight, he hurt he hurt his hand. Oh, wow. And that's how I got my opportunity mm -hmm. uh, when, when I least expected it. Georgia come, you know, got to University of Georgia. True freshman year, they didn't redshirt me. Didn't play. And, you know, I was the undersized linebacker. Yeah. Guy ahead of me was 6'3", 250. Weeks one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pass. Yeah. We get to Tennessee game. He blows the coverage against. Uh, he's he's supposed to be on uh, Arian. That's when Arian Foster yeah. was playing. Blows the coverage. Get the call from the sidelines that you're in. Got got my opportunity and I was ready. Wow. But it was all about the preparation leading up to those moments. Like like I talked about operating at the level of your vision. Mm -hmm. It was all about me believing that I was a starter before it actually happened. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that was my progression, man, and what kept me. Uh, humble during those times. So what? So what was the go, going back to the, the 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 first question? But what was the? Was there any temptation for Rennie Curran? <laughs> you sound like oh, you sound like yeah, a mock, like where was, the, where was the temptation? No nah, man, man it, was, yeah. it was definitely some serious temptations, yeah. man. Yeah. And, and that's one thing I had to learn yeah. how to balance, man. Was uh, just my life on and off the field. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's such an analogy for life because you you can't be great. In, in front of the crowd, yeah, right? Yeah. Public success and then a private failure. Yeah. And so I started to understand, and it, it still continued to be a struggle, man. Yeah, just, yeah. You know, women with um, 
you know. So what? I, listen, my guys, a lot of my guys were already yeah. current. Cause this, <laughs> is, this is a normal life for you, man. They, they've never been here before. What was it like? Like, mm. what was it like being this superstar, big man on campus? Yeah. Like, were they like throwing themselves at you? Were they sneaking into your bedroom at night? <laughs> like, like, what was going on, man? Man, nah, it, it was it was an interesting thing. Like, yeah. it, it really was crazy because you you start to understand people um, from multiple angles, man. Mm. It's like when you're not in that position. Mm, that's what I want to guess where I want to go. <laughs> you're not in that position. Yeah. You get a certain type of response. Mm. And then it's like, you know, you realize when you get when you start getting the newspaper articles written about you, when you yeah. start showing up on TV, like people are attracted and addict almost addicted to success. They mm. want to be around it. Yeah. You start realizing if you are if you have self-awareness, yeah, that that shit is not real. It's mm. <laughs> not real, and yeah. it, it almost puts you in a position where you're you're very aware, like you're very you become very sober to it. Just um, the fact that like it can change at any minute, mm. you know, or at least at least for me, I did. Like I did not buy into that hype. Yeah. I, I mean, and part of it was like. At home, like I said, my parents ain't know nothing about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go back home, and I'm just Rennie Jr. Yeah, wash the dishes, take <laughs> yeah, out the trash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, after your yeah, parents, yeah, yeah, I already know how it is, man. I could never, I could never really get yeah. to that point where I really believed the hype, man. Yeah. And like I said, it was always kind of that for me. Unlike a lot of guys who they. Can't you know they first year in football they were six two and they were big and whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, I. I was that underdog story all the way through. Yeah, so it kept, so basically it kept you humble throughout the process. Yeah, throughout yeah. that process. Because it's interesting that you said you, you had that self-awareness because like there's a huge difference between being second string mm -hmm. middle linebacker right. to AJC, Super 11, front cover of the paper, rock star, everybody goes to the game to watch this guy play. Right. But like you were saying, you were the same Rennie. Right. Both times, but then like, yeah. but then when you were the superstar, Rennie, people changed, mm -hmm. and then the success brought addiction. Like you said, people are addicted to success; they want yeah. to be around it. Right, right. And so, did you find it anytime troubling having to trust their intentions of people? Who are now back in your freshman year, the girls weren't checking for you. You know, yeah, now right, right, right. that same girl oh, is man. now trying to talk to me. Yeah, I mean, especially once I got to the University of Georgia, that's when things started to shift. Cause you know, really? Athens is a small little town, yeah. and so when you when your name is known at University of Georgia, like you you know, what is that like? Man, it's it's interesting, bro. It's it's really really interesting, and it's good, and it it brings its perks. Yeah. Then it also brings its negatives yeah. as well. Yeah. It's like, have you ever met somebody and like you don't know this person from nowhere? But somebody you knew from your past maybe told them something about you, mm, like maybe one yeah, of that, one of your exes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they gave them a, a briefing yeah. about you, and so you meet them and they're like, "Oh, it's, so you're a beast." And you're like, and you trying to be nice to them, and you know what I'm saying? They just are just like, yeah, you know, not feeling you off the jump, or you yeah. have to almost prove to them like you're a good person, yeah, or whatever. And that that's. Uh, some of the experiences that I had, mm. like you have, it's, it's no in between. Like you have the extreme where people are excited, like, oh man, you're really current. And then you have other experiences where it's like people have this 
stereotype or belief about athletes that we're mm. all stuck up, that we all, oh, you wow. know, are womanizers, that we all. Yeah. Um, and so it's like you have to almost prove yourself. And eventually I just was like, man, yeah. like, I'm going to just be me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be, the, yeah. you know, who I am, regardless of how you feel about me, regardless of what you think you know about athletes. Yeah. And so that's that's one thing that, that people don't really talk about, but it's very, very real. Like you have to put up with, or you have to learn how to navigate. Yeah, you have to learn how to navigate people's perception of you, even mm. though they don't even know you. That's real. That's a, that's an interesting. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. And and so it's fascinating that you we we moved to UGA because I've this is honestly the third time I think I've seen you in person. Mm. The first time I saw you in person was my junior year of high school yeah. at the football game. The second time I saw you in person <laughs> was um, it was my sophomore year of college. Hmm. And uh, I went to Club Miami. I don't know if you remember Club Miami back back on Beaufort Highway. Oh yeah, I think Club I remember. Miami? So Club Miami was having uh, like a Christmas party, something like that. A new something around the bowl season, mm. and they're like, and we got special guests, UGA Bulldogs. <laughs> We're gonna be coming to the club. And I was like. Wouldn't it be crazy if I ran into Rennie at that <laughs> time? Hilarious. And literally, bro, I don't know if you remember, but I remember running into you because wow. you guys came in like your track suits or whatever, you know, your UGL. That's like, wild. man, and all, <laughs> all the girls just came flocking. I was like, man, it was so awesome. <laughs> but, but that was the second time I met you. But mm. so what? what is the attention like as like a, like a superstar college athlete? Because it's like... In the city, they know you because everyone's a huge UGA fan. Like right, right, right. you have ninety thousand people coming to the games who've been hearing your name all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that like being so young with being such level of superstardom? It's a lot, man. It's a lot. And at that time, you know, you had things like Facebook and yeah, social media was that's starting when they're starting. To be, yeah, yeah. And so you could be tagged and whatnot. Like, yeah. and it was like you had a target on your back a lot of times, man. Really? The love was there. The, you know, the 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 fan um, the fan love was all great and all good. But once again, like I had to be able to separate the reality, right? And what I mean by that, I had to be able to separate the fact that like they, most people that come around, you know, the, whether it's the girls, whether it's the fan, they love me for what I do. Mm. Not, for, not for who I am. That's crazy. And I had to separate that. I had yeah. to learn. And it, it became... Um, more more apparent to me the more that I grew, of course, because mm-hmm. you're 21, 22 years old. Yeah. You don't have any full concept of that. But um, yeah, the the more I start to learn, the more I start to understand that I once again I can't buy into this hype. How do you set like so? A girl meets yeah. you, yeah, yeah, she's flirting, she's excited. How do you know like the difference? That was one of the toughest things. You you find out eventually. <laughs> you you, under, you start to understand manners. Just like when you go to the club and you you know the ones that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, they ain't really about nothing. They yeah. got no substance. They want you to buy the drinks and yeah, get you yeah. in for free. Yeah. And then they ain't about that life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. They ain't really about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so after a couple of disappointments, like I learned pretty quickly, like yeah. there's certain types that want to be with you in that moment. Can, like, can, can you tell us a story? Because oh, <laughs> you're a superstar, man. We got to hear. So what What was the story of like a, a girl or where you thought she was really into you, but it turned out she was just there for... Oh, man. It was a... <laughs> I mean, it's embarrassing to talk about now. Man, come on. Come <laughs> nah, on. I'll give you a story. Yeah. I mean, it, it would basically be like, you know, you're downtown in Athens after a big win, yeah. right? And so you get to that bar, and there's just this female that's up on you. Like, she's around you. Like, can't no other females come around because she's wow. she's up on you. 
and and it's like not even y'all not even really having a, a major conversation like that or whatever. So I'm sorry she for just, jumping. Uh, yeah, this girl, you come into the bar and she like approaches you. She approaches. So me. she goes up to you and it's, okay, okay. Yeah, continue, continue. so she I might know her from class, but we ain't okay, really talking yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, we you know see each other. She's attractive. Yeah, and whatnot, but we not really cool, cool like that. Yeah, but I'm in that bar in Athens. I'm in, in it's a after a big win. And now she really, really yeah, knows me. Yeah. Like, she, <laughs> she, she extra friendly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and so we cool, we hanging, we kicking. It gets to the end of the night, 11, you know, 12 o'clock approaches. Yeah. yeah. Game time approaches. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're trying yeah, to do yeah. at that time. Yeah. And so all of a sudden now, when it's time to leave and go, go home or whatever, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not that type of girl. Like, I'm. Uh, yeah, and now it's like a complete different personality switch. Mm, whereas we were cool before, and she was all hugging and up uh, under me. Now wow. it's like, yeah. So she was like just that. there for the the ambiance. The ambiance, bro. Wow. Like I said, success and the perception of success is addicting. It, mm. it can make people act a certain way wow. that they normally wouldn't. And so after that happened a couple of times, man, I just was like, wow, like this is, yeah. Mm. I ain't, I ain't with this, man. And uh, and still, it it kind of is tricky because if you're not careful, like it becomes an unhealthy like relationship with yourself, even because mm. you you almost like get into the position where you like need that to feed your ego, mm. you know, which be, which becomes part of that whole culture of being that being an athlete or being that celebrity or being in that position like you don't and you don't even realize that this is happening mm. but it's almost like that that success becomes so addicting like whether it's on the field and then off the field it's like you're always looking for that next that that whether that's female or whether that's that's it's that feeling mm. of success wow and it can become very toxic yeah wow so when do you feel like um you you saw a tangible shift because you um so after old buddy got hurt your freshman year you started the rest of the season or did you guys start the rest of the season okay yeah. so when did you see that shift where like this is when things started getting out of hand in mm-hmm. regards to like people knowing you in regards to like now these NFL scouts now people know knowing that this million dollar mm-hmm. payday was coming yeah when, when do you feel like there was that shift for you Man, it was it was probably after my sophomore year, mm. going into my junior year. That's that's when things got really really crazy. Just, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, as far as is like football, football was was still football. You yeah, know? I went out, did my thing, um, made sure I stayed disciplined, but just all tight like vo- I call them vultures. Mm. Like people that just smell success. Yeah, and they just want to come and get what they can get, and. They they seem like they're there for the right reasons, but they're really not. Wow. And, and so, you have, for example, um, people who would. I mean, I'd be talking to them on Facebook. Yeah, wouldn't even know that like this is an assistant for an agent that's just really building a relationship with me. Wow. Like so a, that oh, they could, wow. yeah, so that they could eventually set us up to set me up to have a meeting with an agent wow. or something like, like stuff like that. That was just like crazy. Yeah. I mean, people who, I mean, some in some cases. People who I grew up with, like their auntie is in is in insurance oh, or something. Oh yeah, and yep. so all of a sudden it's like, hey, really, man, come, let's, man, we ain't, I seen you in such a long time, man. Yeah. Let's let's get up, let's yeah. hang out. And then all of a sudden, I get to that lunch place mm. or you know lunch meeting, and they got the auntie. Uncle, God dang, and it's auntie, like, God. <laughs> so That's why you brought me out yeah, here. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, dang. And then it's like 
it's a struggle because you don't want to become that person who's like, oh, you don't change. Yeah. You oh, that's good. That's good. So that's really good. Yeah. So it becomes a struggle to like really understand, you know, who's really for me and who's really just trying to be a vulture. Who, yeah. Who's a who's a who's a opportunist? What what is your you know? tool discerning that? Like, what have you developed over these years? Man, I, I think. It, it's just one of those things you have to go through, like to mm. develop that discernment. Some some things you just have to experience, like a bad relationship, yeah. right? And then you you learn, like what are the things that I don't want here? Like what are the things to you know? You start developing those red flags and that discernment, and it, it only comes with time. I don't care mm. how much you yeah you know you equip people with, with the knowledge and the tools. Like until you you get in that situation and you see somebody flip that personality, because people can be. I mean, and you got to remember, you 21, I was 21, 22 yeah. in these times, so I didn't understand business fully like Man. that. And I'm I'm sitting down with people who are like, you know, been in the game for years. for as long as I've been born. Yeah. yeah. Like agents who've been doing it for 20, 25 years. Yeah. So there's no, I don't care how much somebody would have set me down and tried to make me aware of, watch out for this, watch out for that. It's like, nah, I wouldn't have, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have known, man. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you go to the draft your junior year or senior year? I left my junior year. You left your junior my, year. My cool. daughter was born, and that that was a big part to playing it. Yeah. Um, my daughter was born my sophomore year, right before I turned 21. Oh like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it it was you know just that whole struggle to make sure I was providing for her, and um, also my family was struggling as well financially. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to do everything I could to to provide for them, man. Cool. Yeah. So left your junior year, mm-hmm. picked up by the Titans. What was what is the difference between the college lifestyle mm. and then that rookie year of the NFL? Man, I mean, so many differences. Number one, you you're obviously not on the college campus anymore. Like you're uh, just like a per, a regular person working a nine to five. Yeah. And uh, that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn was like this ain't like ain't no happy to be here dream no more. Like oh, this wow. is. Doggy dog, like, you know, my teammates now, like, these are grown men. Mm. Like, these jokers have family. <laughs> like, we ain't going to hang out afterwards and, yeah. you know, grabbing a bite to eat. <laughs> like, yeah. nah, this is, it was real. Like, the yeah. dude ahead of me, he was, I was 22, about to turn 22 years old. He was 33. Yeah. And I just realized, like. Who was ahead of you at that time? Oh, uh, his name was Will Witherspoon. He played yep. at Georgia, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And um, I thought he was going to be, you know, but like, little bro. Like, yeah, 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 nah, yeah, bro. yeah, yeah. Like, nah. Because he understood. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's straight business. Yeah. And that that's probably the biggest difference is, is understanding, like, when they bring you in, somebody's job is on the line. Yeah. And so that accountability is just, is just so much deeper, man. And, you know, that. Like you, you can get a pass when you're a draft pick that first year. Mm. In terms of like going out there, not knowing, not being able to perform. But man, if you're not a draft pick, if they don't got that money invested in you, you can be gone like that. Like after man. one practice, really? Yes. After Dang. like I saw guys get cut after like rookie minicamp, like day two. Wow. Because they couldn't cover man to man. Oh wow. Like just it, it was real, just very very cutthroat. Mm. And um, yeah, it, it was uh. It it was disheartening, man. When you when you saw like the the level of just like, man, uh, just lack of <laughs> lack of integrity, man. Like you could be grinding, working your tail off, and they could be ready to cut you that next day, yeah. but you won't even know nothing. Straight like, business, no compassion. Straight, yeah, no compassion, man. And it's it's just like unless your name is like 
for Falcons, unless your name is like Matt Ryan, yeah, Julio, you know, Julio yeah, like your job can be gone like any minute. People don't really, you know, understand that. Man, this is really good because this is I love mm-hmm. the athlete conversation because to me, I don't think people understand the psyche of an athlete and the anxiety of mm-hmm. an athlete, especially like because you have the benefit of, in my opinion, your story is. You worked really hard. You defeated your opponent. Right. Then you then you obviously had ups and downs, but it was pretty consistent. But for some people, it's like every single day, mm-hmm. you and this person are having to go to war. I remember um, my senior year of high school, it was me and my best friend, Cortez. We were both starting corners. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, I got sick, and he got sick. So we were both out for a couple of weeks. Then all of a sudden, the second string dude who was never getting any playtime afterwards started blowing up. Right. And then all of a sudden, he became like the star corner. Mm. So when me and Cortez came back, they put us both on the same side now. Mm. And literally, it was one play, yeah, right. Hafiz. Right. One play, Cortez. So you lived in constant anxiety and mm-hmm. fear that I... You know, sorry. You know the difference between playing to make plays and playing not to make a mistake. Right. right when you start playing to not make a mistake, mm-hmm. like you literally don't even enjoy the game anymore. Yeah. And so when people see all these athletes drinking and doing drugs, they're like, you don't understand the kind of immense stress mm-hmm. that you have. Where in your job, the difference is in our jobs, right. we make one mistake, we lose our entire salaries. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And that that was one of the toughest things. And. On to top all that off, yeah. I'm, I'm considered undersized yeah. in these positions. So it's like everything that I do is scrutinized. Everything. Were you playing? Which which Mike? We weren't playing Mike at the time. You were playing nah. Sam or when Will? I was when I was with the Titans, yeah. I was uh, weak side. Okay, so okay. But like even yeah. at that level, at the highest level, I done been three time All American, UGA, blah blah blah. Like I still have to worry about my height and how somebody perceives me. Yeah. Especially that second year, once the coaching staff got fired. Ooh, like, so your rookie year, the entire team got coaches have got fired. Yeah. Who was your coach your rookie year? Uh, Je- um, Jeff uh, Fisher. Fisher was your coach. Yeah, okay. Fisher. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. So when that was new Vince, regime. Was Vince Young on your team? Who, who's that? Was Vince Young on your yeah, team? Yeah, yeah, Vince yeah. Vince Young, yeah, Chris yeah, Johnson, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, that whole yeah, crew, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Randy Moss was out there for a little bit. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> that, was, that was wild. <laughs> that was wild. Yeah, but, um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was just like, man, like. Just knowing in the back of your mind that you're always being evaluated. Like, imagine going to work, bro, yeah. and you got somebody standing over you just, like, mm. always taking notes. Every every Tuesday, they're bringing in people to, to work out, take your spot. Like Really? Yeah. It just was not... It wasn't fun. Like, it was... Yeah. It, that thing was a, a, a straight business. Like, once you make that 53-man roster, you know, you, you know you're locked in. Or if you're a draft pick, yeah. like, you got a little bit of ease. But yeah, yeah. other than that, bro, like, you always have to... Like, be on your P's. Like, you can never get comfortable. Man, that's real. Yeah. So, being a millionaire mm-hmm. in your early 20s, what? Because it's like, people don't realize these are young kids getting all this oh, money. Man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, what was it like for you when you, all of a sudden, you're 23, 24, and you're having all this money flowing in? What was that experience like? It was a battle, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was a battle, and... Because I had those humble beginnings, it made it even worse. Like if my if my family was materialistic, yeah, and, you know, we, we were used to having money and different things like that, it would have been a lot easier. Really? Why do you say that? Because like like I said, like I didn't grow up like just splurging and just mm. like we were always thinking about the next person, thinking about family, thinking yeah. about, you know, how can we uh help the church like tithing? Yeah. Like we were always thinking about giving. So it it was a struggle when I woke up and I had, you know, first signing bonus was ninety thousand mm. dollars. 
and now all of a sudden I can go to the mall. Yeah, can, yeah. You know, because my, my shit. I grew up Payless shoes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Payless. you know what Roman noodles. <laughs> JC Fetty. Liberian food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like yeah, yeah. TJ Maxx Marshall. Yeah, like, yeah, that was yeah. my budget. Ron's now, dressed for less. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, now I got choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, on top of that, not only do I have choices, but it's like, now all those people who were part of me on my journey, it's like, whether I wanted to or not, like, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm the first. Like I look at it, like I always give people the the analogy, like uh, of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm, you know, got the like golden you get, ticket. Got that golden ticket, bro. Yeah, yeah. But what did Charlie do when he got that golden golden ticket? He went back to his, he's like, hey, we all about to come yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> we all about to come up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So people don't realize, like most majority of us, unless yeah. your dad played in it before, unless you come from money. We're all like Charlie's. Yeah. You know, like real. we're all the first in our family to get, to get that come up and to have that type of money. Yeah. And at this time, dad's checking in garnish. Like my mom been paying all the bills. My sister got student loan. My Man. church about to be put out. Dang. So now yeah. you got to pay for it all. Yeah. And, and not that I, I tried to, you know, because I, I knew I, I can't be, I'm not Jesus Christ. Like I can't yeah, say yeah, it. Yeah, I can't yeah, be everybody's yeah, savior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's still that pressure mm. to feel like, man, I done made it here and like, yeah, like I can do something, you know, mm. I got to do something and whatnot. I can't just turn my back on everybody. And that's, if you talk to any athlete who comes from that situation, man, like there is it's a recurring theme, you know, that they're going to feel like they got to give back. They got to pour in. And, and some, some is more than others, yeah. right? Like some, some people, like their family is just mom yeah. retires. Like it's like yeah. everybody is Trent Richardson that. story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's real. And it, it, is a you know bigger picture of what really is going on? I feel like in the African American community, yeah. you know, we talk about the the gap. Yeah, like it, I I just think it uh, when you look at our stories, like yeah. it just kind of plays into that narrative as well, or yeah. that that whole experience that we as African Americans have, where we're trying to dang, uh basically uh, account for like years and years and years mm. of lack of opportunity. Yeah. And uh, and whatnot, so it's 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 tough, man. Man, it, it was very very tough. But I definitely remember specific moments where I went to the store and I was like, "Dang, I know I can get like ten of these. <laughs> yeah. but do I really need this? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. dang, I worked hard for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I deserve this. Yeah, yeah. But I don't really, you know. So it was just that that battle. And then like, you know, you buy certain things that you always wanted to have, mm -hmm. and there was also that that realization that like. This ain't it. Like I'm mm -hmm. still the same person, and I, I'll never forget that, man. Uh, and I wish everybody could have this experience. But like, I remember, you know, um, opening up my laptop. Right, it was like July after we got our first installments. We all signed it before uh, signing our contracts before training camp. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I get back to my my condo or my townhouse or whatever, and open up my laptop. I log into my Bank of America uh, bank account. <laughs> Shout out to Bank of America. Shout out Bank of America. <laughs> and so uh, I look at my account, bro, and I got my first installment uh, of my signing bonus. Man. 90, 90 racks. Man. You know, every, every, all the statements before that was all the rest. <laughs> all the rest. And I was just like, man, I finally man. done made it. Like, yeah, I'm good. Good yeah. for life. And then, like, after that, I came down from that high yeah. and... I remember this time, like my family, my family was back in Georgia, yeah. so I was alone, like yeah. you know, new city by myself. Uh, 
townhouse was quiet. Man. And then I just came back to myself and I was just like, man, it, like, yeah, this is great, but I'm still the same person. Like, this yeah. hasn't changed anything. Like, I and I just remember like thinking to myself, man, like, is this it? Mm. Like, and it was so like the silence became so loud. Mm. Yeah. And just like at that moment realizing that that money and all those things that 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 wasn't the end all be all. Wow. Like it was it was cool to have and know that you work so hard, but like once you get there, it's like if you don't have something a bigger mission or something that's just bigger than you that you're fighting for, it really is like it's, it's depressing. Mm. It's depressing. And I can imagine that so many celebrities and and people who at that level, they have that same feeling once they realize that yeah, I'm, I, I make. I got this platinum album. Yeah, I got this amazing movie and just got millions. But if you don't got stuff, people around you that's real and like, you know, even know who you are or where you're going or have purpose, mm. like that stuff is not. You you cannot, uh, you cannot, you know, give yourself a sense of self worth mm. um, by acquiring things. Mm. Like it's, it's not gonna do it. Man, I I think it was Jim Carrey mm-hmm. who who said something to this extent of, he said, "I wish everybody could become rich so they could right. see how meaningless it is." Right. You know, because because right. I remember I told somebody this once in life. I said, "The the thing about life is most people are trying to chase the pot of gold. Yep. And their whole purpose of life is the pot of gold. So that gives you a reason to wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it gives you a reason to go. Like right. that's all your life is about." But what happens when you get to that pot of gold? Yep. Now, what what is reasoning for you to wake up now? Right. It's gone. Yep. You know what I mean? Like you said, if this was just a gold, mm-hmm. and then I get there, and it's like, what now? Right, right, right. And a lot of athletes, a lot of celebrities, a lot of musicians get to that moment, and that's when you see the depression. Yeah. That's when you see, why is so-and-so wild now with all these right. drugs and all that stuff? Because it's like... You're trying to come to peace with the with the silence, mm-hmm. and the silence is, can be very dangerous. Very dangerous, and and unfortunately, man, that's the narrative that's played out in our society that mm. you have to get to this highest level, you have to get to this this job, or you mm. have to get that degree, or you have to get to feel like you're enough. And mm. I, I feel like that's what a lot of us are chasing that we don't realize. It's not so much that we're trying to get to that one percent or that NFL or, or get with that person, whatever it is, mm. is that we're just trying to be. Get to that point where we have that sense of self worth, mm, and it just comes good. in different forms, yeah. right? And that's the most d- disturbing, like depressing feeling when you, when you get to that place or you acquire that thing that you think is supposed to give you that self worth or make you feel like you arrived, and you realize that that's not it. It's, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I truly believe, like, you have to you have to define that for yourself. Like, you it has to be about more than just that title or that certain amount of money in your yeah, bank account, yeah. like. It's not gonna be it. You gotta find something deeper that that's of substance. Man, that's deep. Finding that real, authentic why is important. Yeah. So, all right. So, first year. So you said second year. Jeff Fisher gets cut. Yeah. New yeah. coaching staff comes in. What is that like now? Man, I'm like a stepchild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like not. Uh, and then on top of that, the lockout happens, and so. Oh wow. Yeah. So we didn't get an off season really. Mm. By the time we get with the new team and uh, you know get back to the NFL season, it's. You know, training camp, wow. which they basically have already made their decisions. And then on top of that, they drafted three new linebackers. Dang. Yeah. And so I go in and once I'm bottom of the totem pole. Uh, so led the team in tackles, worked as hard as I could. You know, did I mean, even up to like a day before they made the final cuts. Like, I'm in there with Coach. He's like, man, great play right here. Good job. Good yeah. job. 
So it's like I got that call, man, and I'm thinking, man, they about to tell me I, I've been promoted. Whatever. Wow. I'm good. But nah, got the call. Came into the facility. They're like, we need you to turn your playbook in. Wow, your yeah. second year. Second year, bro. Wow. End of the second year, yeah. Just got that call, man, and, and got cut and back home. And it was a time of, uh, it was it was extremely tough time of uncertainty. Uh, a lot like what we're going through right now. Mm. And that's when, like, my transition and my growth really started mm. into becoming who I really am. Wow. Yeah. So when did Tampa happen? So Tampa happened maybe like a year, like I'd say about, yeah, eight months after wow. that. Wow. Yeah. So you missed that entire season. Missed the entire season. Wow. I worked out for teams, but yeah, no, nobody picked me up, man. Mm. So I got to the point, man, where I was just like, right, if nobody calls me, like I'm just going to create my own opportunities. Mm. And that's what led me to entrepreneurship. Yeah. Like I, I would not be doing what I do uh, today as a speaker, author, and you know, entrepreneur, if yeah. it weren't for that moment, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, a lot of times we we go through so many ups and downs and challenges and rejections in life, mm -hmm. not knowing that that's uh, directing us to our true like destiny and our true purpose. Yeah, and it it was extremely tough in that time, but man, I when I, I look back, but it it was like it made me who I am. Like literally, like that's when I started reading books for the first time. Yeah. Like. Read Napoleon Hill, yeah. Malcolm Gladwell, yeah, 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 like just yeah, started yeah. diving into knowledge, man, yeah. like and building myself as a leader and and uh, uh, started learning more about personal development and self help and, and all those things. Started going to workshops mm. uh, and then started meeting with a lot of different business leaders and, and mentors awesome. and things and just started building myself, man, yeah. during that time and was still training and whatnot. Yeah. But I told myself, like, if I never get another call, if I never get an opportunity, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm good regardless. Mm. And I can leverage everything that I built. How long were you in Tampa for? So uh, basically got to Tampa uh, 2012 um, and started training, man, just to, to you know, because they were going through a, tra a coaching transition as well, too. So got out there 2012, like January, February, Train all the way through, but like was starting with the team and everything. Um, and then April, they drafted a guy by the name of Levante David. Oh my <laughs> gosh, yep. So, <laughs> snip, snip, yeah, Dang. so yeah, man, we're starting with him, and then like maybe you know, the draft comes. That's what people don't realize either. Every time they watch a video and they see folks, you know, that that kid that's celebrating with his family, yeah, somebody crying, yeah, it's somebody like, dang. Know what time it is. Yeah. You know, or they, they, you know, either they like, they get sad or you get even more determined, mm. even though you know, like, yeah. chances are you ain't about to be there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like three three days after he, you know, got there after the draft and whatnot, they were like, Randy, we're going to let Levante take some reps today. And mm. that was that was it. Man. And, um, you know, at that point, man, I, I had already started writing my first book. I'd already started speaking and started building my brand outside of sports. Mm -hmm. And so even though it was frustrating, like I started to see hope in the fact that like I didn't have to just depend on this. Yeah. That's like real. I was more than just an athlete. That's dope. And uh, you know, just once they cut me, man, came back home, got back re-enrolled at UGA, uh, continued finishing my book, started building my website, started building my personal brand, started, you know, continuing to meet with business leaders and, and just gaining that knowledge, man, by uh, two thousand 2013, released my first book and uh, started speaking professionally, getting paid for it. That's and awesome. Just, yeah, and not, it, it was just empowering. Yeah. And then how long were you in Canada for? 
So I was in Canada from 2013 to 2015. So, so I would go up there six months, play a season, come yeah. back, um, take two classes. What city in Canada? And, uh, yeah, Edmonton. Okay. Yeah. What was that like? Was it? Oh man, it it was it was different. It was, it was fun, but it was definitely different. How Canadians like, love Americans. Ca- uh, Canadians are like PG rated Americans. Yeah. <laughs> non confrontational, yeah. super cool people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, the perception of Americans was different, a little yeah. different yeah. back then. Yeah, It'll yeah, probably yeah. be a little different yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was a good experience, man. For the first time, like, I, I started to love football again. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. That's dope. So I'm not too familiar with the Canadian. Is it? Like, let's say attention level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's rank them. <laughs> Brookwood, UGA, right. Tennessee, Canadian. Where does Canadian fall in in regards to, like, attention level, like, as an athlete? It's like it's like underneath UGA. Okay, but, but above high school. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Above, <laughs> so, but, you know, UGA is like UGA. Yeah. Like, I don't even think. Wait, what, what, AJ Green was on your team too, right? Yeah, yeah, AJ yeah, Green, yeah, 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 yeah. O'Shawn, yeah. Stafford, yeah, yeah, all them guys. But, yeah, it, it was definitely, it was it was definitely hype. Yeah. But it wasn't UGA. It wasn't the, the pay, as far as the pay. Yeah, It course. wasn't NFL, yeah. definitely not. Yeah. Um, But they still had a strong following. It, yeah. It had a strong tradition. So, is it true to my guys, is it true that women in the, during the NFL season are waiting in the hotel room for players to, like, in the hotel lobby? Is that is that man, a true or is that nah, like a bit? I, I mean, <laughs> they're gonna like depending on what you surround yourself with, yeah, or, or who you are is what you will attract, yeah, type okay. of thing. So yes, there's gonna be females around, but they ain't just gonna be. You know, chasing you to your room and then like okay, that. <laughs> you make it seem yeah, like, like they like <laughs> lurking in the lobby like yeah. sharks or something like right. that. <laughs> yeah, like not now. If you go to like All Star Weekend, you go to Super Bowl. Yeah, like, yeah you better yeah. believe it's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. they're gonna be out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thirsty. <laughs> you, go the, you go to the SUs, they're gonna be around there yeah. at the party. So yeah, yeah. But during you know during the game week, man, unless you go out there and you really like trying to look for that, like yeah. they're, they're not just gonna be you know. As soon as you get out the butt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> That's how so many guys imagine to yeah, be like. Nah, they imagine man. to be like, oh my gosh, you're an athlete. <laughs> They're just throwing themselves at you and stuff yeah. like that. And it's like, when you are an athlete, man, when you get to a lot of these cities, yeah. you really don't even have time to even be out like that. Like maybe, maybe a little bit the night before just to grab dinner. Yeah. But you literally don't even get to visit that city. You, really? you see what you see from your hotel room. Oh, and wow. from, like when you're rolling in on the buses and that's that's really about it. So game is on Sunday. Yeah. When do you guys pull up to the city? So we typically get there, I'd say on fr- Friday sometimes. Mm-hmm. We travel in, um, travel in on Friday. Get there, get settled in, or at times if it's close, then we'll get there on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. But nine times out of ten, it's that Friday. You travel, uh, you get there, you get settled in. That next day, you got your walkthroughs and all yeah. those things, and then yeah, you play on Sunday. Okay, yeah. So lit, like, so basically during the season, it's like outside of the bye week, you guys are not going out. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not, you're not really going out. I mean, you got guys that that are gonna do it. Yeah. Regardless, they may go out that Sunday night after the game. Yeah. Tuesday is a day uh, that's. The NFL um, wide day off. Okay. And so guys might go out Monday night or do yeah. like community events Monday night. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but but overall, man, if you you know you yeah. want to keep a child yeah, on, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. ain't gonna be out like yeah, that. It's, yeah. it's like I said, it's like a nine to five job. Yeah. That uh, you know, that's no different in the corporate world. It's just corporate on ste- on steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is good. And what I really enjoyed about your story 
is like throughout your life, it seemed like there was this identity formation process. Right. To me, it seemed like everything was guiding you, molding you, shaping you to become this man. So what eventually happened was the moment you, <laughs> this is interesting, the moment you mm-hmm. lost the NFL label, like right. your dream, you gained a new one. Yep. And you found yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget because that was similar to my story. Yeah. Because it's like when you're an athlete, because when I, I eventually had to play at Troy, mm-hmm. when you're an athlete, you, people say, okay, who are you? Right. Oh, hey, my name's Hafiz. I play at. Right, right. That, right. That's your spill the whole entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The moment you're no longer an athlete, yep. it's like, I'm a feast. I'm a right. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right, you, don't, right, right. you don't know who you are. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. and so it was a time when I when I stopped playing at Troy. My I think my junior year I stopped playing, mm-hmm. and that's when I really fell in love with helping men and right. helping young men. You know what I mean? And I eventually realized that all these desires was helping me to get to this destination. Right. Um. And so I think it's really dope that, like you said, like all these things, the ups and downs, mm-hmm. was all leading you to discover who exactly Rennie was. Yeah, exactly right, man. And that's a part of, of all of our journeys. Mm-hmm. Like, And at some point, and this is what my book really is about, it's, it's called Free Agent, but it uses it as an analogy to talk about how we all go through transitions. We all uh, you know, go through those times of uncertainty that eventually lead us to who we are, to mm-hmm. who we really are, and what really matters most in life. Yeah, and I feel like you know whether you're that female who's defined by her looks, yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. you're that person who's the athlete, and you, you've always been defined by your your physical abilities. Mm-hmm. Like you're always going to come to that moment of transition. Yeah, where it's it's you know everything that the world told you, and maybe you even told you that makes you who you are. You're going to lose that. Yeah, and it's it's going to make you question and and really have to. Be in that mode of, of self-reflection and self-discovery and re-identify well, uh, your own self-worth or what yeah. makes you, what you believe makes you uh, worthy yeah. you know, of, of, of anything. So that was a big part of my, my um, you know, just journey and something that I'm still going through now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a father, yeah. you know, as, as a, just as a human being, like continuing that, that transition, like now I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I have to constantly be in that mode of just reflection and where am I going? What's my purpose? Yeah. What are my values? What am I building? What do I stand for? What's my mission? That's real. And I can't allow like just my business and my ability yeah. to bring in income. Yeah, that's real. Become the end all be all. And, and so, and I know too, like I'm not always going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's it's a deep concept that I think so many people need to think about because mm. you're, you're going to transition. I don't care how <laughs> successful you are. Yeah. How, you know how able you are. Like I never thought the day would come where I wouldn't be able to tackle some like yeah, 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 or yeah. lift four hundred pounds. But yeah, yeah. it came. Like, yeah, you know, time time is undefeated. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, man. So one of the things you said earlier on, and I want to touch on, yeah, is you said for a lot of NFL players, mm-hmm. the transition between um, NFL and entrepreneur is one of the hardest things. Yeah, and one of the things that we always hear is about how many NFL players go broke mm-hmm. three to five years. Um, after the league. Do you right. feel like there's a correlation, the, the, the same things that make entrepreneur difficult, the same thing that leads to them losing a lot of money? Oh, yeah. I mean, that. The, yeah, that's a great point. I, I never even thought about that, like, as far as that correlation. Um, I think when it comes to those two, when you look at those two types, right, if you're an, an entrepreneur and you you have this gift or whatever, you have this vision, that doesn't necessarily mean 
that you're going to be a great marketer. Mm. That doesn't mean that you're going to be great at finance, mm. you know, or understand relationship building. And it's the same thing as an athlete. So I'm so glad you brought up that point. It is the same exact thing. Mm. As an athlete, people think because we're successful on the field or whatever, or even like we're these grown physically, you know, and uh, uh, impressive uh, men or females or whatever, mm. that that success is just going to translate into other areas of our life. And mm. it doesn't work like that. Mm. I tell guys this all the time, uh, the athletes that I coach, I'm like, just like you started out in Little League and you learned the fundamentals, mm -hmm. you know, if you had told somebody that you want to be pro after your second year, yeah, or whatever, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. they would be like, you're an idiot. Like, yeah, that's yeah. never going to happen. Yeah, that's a good Just point. like you, you know, just like you learn the fundamentals mm -hmm. in sports and you built and you got the reps in. And you surround yourself with the right team, your mm -hmm. coach, your nutritionist, your yeah. trainer. Like it's gonna, it's gonna have to be the same thing in business. Wow. And we don't look at it like that. So I'm like, when people say that statistic, I'm like, well, duh. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're trained to be a great athlete. You're not trained to be a great business person and mm. and great, you know, networker and great. Yeah. Like and and not only are you not trained to do these things, your environment does not. Uh, uh, does not reinforce that. Mm. You know, you when when the last time you ever seen a coach be like, man, great job building this relationship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, great yeah. job creating yeah. your budget. Yeah, yeah. That's like real. you're never gonna do that. That that culture does not reinforce those mm. types of of habits, and therefore, like that. I believe that system is broken. Mm. I believe it is too. Yeah, it, I and I give people too. this this analogy all the time. Like if you had students right that were coming out of a school system or out of a specific high school or whatever mm -hmm. and they were constantly failing yeah year in and year out yeah like who would you question would you say oh look these students here in this sec sector they're you know would you would you talk about their statistics or would you look at the school system mm, that's deep that's you know deep. what i'm saying and we got to start questioning all these all these systems and what are their main priorities yeah you know? I man, when I because I I eventually coached a little bit after school, and that was one of my biggest things. It yeah. was it was creating identity, it was letting people know the importance of financial management, all these things at a very young age. Right. So, in your opinion, if you were to break down the system and re rebuild it, what's best? How would you do things differently? Right. So, a lot of I feel like these whether it's schools, whether it's organizations, they have the wrong metrics for success. Mm. Like a lot of their metrics are based off of graduation, mm -hmm. which we all know that don't mean nothing. Nothing. Just because you get a degree, don't mean you even know your way around when you exactly, leave school. Exactly. Exactly. Or their me another metric they have is how many athletes go pro mm -hmm. from their organization, yeah. and they love showing that off for yeah, recruiting, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those two things, but they got the those are the wrong metrics. Mm -hmm. My my metrics be how many of these guys are able to be contributing citizens, right? Mm. Are able to go and actually get a job mm. and have a purpose yeah. afterwards. How many of these folks like actually have an identity when they take that jersey off? Mm, like that's, that's a freaking metric for success that they need to be focused on. And and then also like, I'll, I'll also look at the narrative, right? And by that, and, and what do they focus on in terms of these the stories? Mm. If you look at the colleges, if you look at the pros, you know, they do a lot of great things. I'm, I'm not here to bash any organization, but the narrative that a lot of time they, they create is one that makes people believe that everybody goes pro. Like you, when you look at, you know, Auburn or, or Georgia or Florida, you're going to see the Ty Gurley. You're yeah. going to see, you know, like you're not going to see, you know, the, yeah, right. yeah, 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 <laughs> the yeah. guy who they're going to do a path to the draft. They're not going to do a path to the real world. Mm, you know what I'm saying? That's deep. 
So that's that's another thing that I wish without that I would change, man, is is the narrative that's painted. So stop making all these athletes believe like they gotta tell these guys the truth. Mm. Like really show that show that athlete that comes to that when they leave the college goes back to their hometown and becomes a coach. Yeah. Or works in a warehouse. Cause that's it's good. It's guys going through that. Yeah, that's real. You know, and but also show the ones who take the right path who are in the corporate world and who are doing great things. Mm. And I think a, a lot of that isn't um and enough of that isn't shown. Yeah, no, that's a great thing. And that's like one of the biggest reasons why I'm super excited, super excited about what we've built here. Yeah. Because like you said, all these tools and resources that really are needed to succeed in the real world, a lot of young men and women as well don't have these tools. Right. They don't understand these multiple paths. Like I said, we could have gotten a lot of different athletes who wanted to come on the show, but I'm excited about getting you because your story is going to relate to most athletes, going to relate to most people. And right. so... To be able to provide all these tangible tools and resources to help people actually be productive members of society right. is something that schools fail at, colleges fail at, and especially coaches. Oh, you yeah. know, because the coaches, they all they care about, some of them do care. Let's not mm -hmm. paint everyone in the same boat. But a lot of them only care about is wins and losses. Yeah. So if if you wanted to be Myron Roll and mm -hmm. you wanted to be a you know a brain surgeon whatever he is, right. they don't want you to take that biology class because right. guess what? Four p.m. biology affects four p.m. film study. Yeah. You know, and so we're not having enough men like you who are actually teaching these men and women exactly what tools they are gonna really need to right. be successful later on in life. No, nah, you're, you're exactly right. And that's something I think about all the time. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know whether it's through a course. I don't know whether it's through just like offering, you know, my services. Like I, I started a nonprofit and whatnot. Yeah. But you're, you're exactly right. There, there definitely needs to be more men like myself that share that knowledge that and that provide that um, basically uh, roadmap, man, yeah. for, for success. And I, I think, too, though... It has to start early. Mm. It, it has to start. I agree with early. you. It has to start at home, man. Like, yeah. So pa parents got to be on the wagon too. Yeah. And unfortunately, like the parents play into that narrative just as much as the coaches do. Yeah. Like the the parents that are congratulating their kid every time they make a big play. Yeah. Are they congratulating them just and pushing them just as much to be leaders mm. off the field to to when they you know get that you know or when it comes to their classroom yeah are they just as passionate about that are they just as passionate about exposing them to other things yeah. outside of sports and helping them to develop a holistic identity that's great yeah because yeah, I, I love that i mean i that's, love that so much man yeah i love that because one of the biggest things that i always tell guys is becoming the best version of yourself physically mostly spiritually financially like you said it's that holistic thing yeah because you see like different areas where like somebody's gonna teach you all about getting buff. Right. I'm gonna teach you all about making money, how to have game, you know what I mean? Like, but right. there's no one actually building the whole man. Right. The whole woman, because that's really what's essential to to live five, 10, 15, 20 years. I feel like so many people are being built for short-term success. Yep, 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 yep. And like you said, when you eventually for the select few who eventually get to see the pot at the end of the rainbow. All that glitters isn't gold, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And if you don't take that holistic approach, like some part of you is going to be broken. Mm. And I, I said this on an, another podcast I did, but you you can't succeed your way out of trauma and like lack of purpose and, mm. and all those different things. A lot of people try it. Character deficit. You know, like all if you don't have character, I don't care how uh, athletically gifted you are, how smart you are, like that's going to eventually catch up with that's you. That's real. And that holds so many people back. Like, mm. 
as successful and as talented and as good as they look, like eventually they just crash. And I, I know you've seen it so many times, time and time and time again. Yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's like they're a ticking time bomb, man. Mm. It's, and it's like the more success they have, the more that 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 inevitable like demise, mm. you know, is is coming. You yeah, know? and. Yeah, it's, it's to me a, it's like a skyscraper with no right. foundation. The higher you build it up, the more when it falls, it's gonna be a mighty fall. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, in closing, I'm thinking about a young man who's, let's say he's like 22, 23, and he and he heard your message, and you know, and and he wants to build that whole self. You know, he wants to build that whole identity. He he wants to have that character and that mindset. So. What are what are three things that you would advise this young man to do to mm. be able to establish himself to on a healthy path to success in the future? Wow, that's that's a great, great, great question. You're the first person to ask me that, man. So three three things yeah. that I would say if you want to start that path of becoming your full self. Number one, you gotta be honest with yourself. You gotta look yourself in the mirror and like just like you bring just like you would bring a car in, right? And you would have it go through a series of tests to evaluate where it's at. Like you got to set that, uh, just that basis, set that foundation of, okay, what's my current reality? Mm. Where am I at right now? What do I need to work on? Like just really, really doing a self-evaluation of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's where I, that's really where I started when I became that free agent and mm. I was back at home. Like I just had to be real with myself. I had yeah. to look myself in the mirror. So that's that's the first thing, and you're not going to be able to improve anything if you're not aware of where you of who you are, mm-hmm. and where you are truly in life. And then from there, I believe it starts with just constant accountability. Mm. So for me, I have, um, you know, I have a document that I use, and I use this with my coaching clients as well. But it's basically like a progress sheet. Mm. You know how we used to get report yeah, cards yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I, my progress uh, report card is a weekly. Report card oh, wow. for myself, yeah. So I break down. I have my goals. It starts out with your goals, and then from there, on a weekly basis, you're breaking down the, your insights on yourself. So basically, you do a summary of just how your week went. Mm-hmm. Then from there, you break down your wins because I believe you. It's super important to track your wins and and just good things that you're doing to mm-hmm. build that confidence and start to program your mind for success. Mm-hmm. And then after that, improvements. Mm. So I'm writing down my improvements, areas that I need to improve and yeah. whatnot. Then I'm writing down like tasks that I need to accomplish mm. for that week. Yeah. So every week I, I break myself down. That's just like I would if I was preparing for a game. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's really I, I, I evaluate myself, man, constantly. And that you know, having that awareness, man, you're not gonna be perfect, but you're gonna make those incre- you can make those incremental gains mm. on a week to week basis. Yeah. Like that's a, that's another way. And you're looking at, you know, uh you know, anything from like those little small habits. Maybe yeah. you, you run late a lot. Maybe, yeah, yeah, you yeah. you know, you're not as honest as you need to be. Mm. Maybe like you're a procrastinator or whatever it is, but you're, you're tracking all those things and, and, you know, really breaking down the areas that you need to improve on. But then you're also tracking, like I said, those those wins, those areas that you did do well. And it could be, I don't care how small it is, you're writing it down. Mm. So that's that's the next step is that constant accountability in the form of, of tracking your habits and mm. how you're spending your time and your mannerisms and those different things. The last piece I would say to really, um, you know, starting to develop and develop yourself, man, is a series of just um, just mental health tools that mm. I try to use. So whether that's journaling and just you know being really clear, getting that clarity on you know all those things that I, I talked about before, where you are, where you're trying to go, just evaluating yourself. 
um, mindfulness, meditation, um, counseling is mm. another one. Like getting that su- a holistic support system, mm-hmm. making sure you're you, you know you're you're taking care of your faith, like like doing devotion if you need to, yeah. watching YouTube videos, you know, having the mentors, like just having a full support staff, um, whether it's resources uh, or uh, mentors or professionals. Yeah, you know that's that's one of the things that helped me out more. Like tremendously was getting counseling, uh, counseling. Mm. Just like I look at it, just like you have a coach, right? Mm. They cover your blind, or they they help you to reveal your blind spot, your yeah. blind sides, and whatnot. So that's something that helped me uh, tremendously, and I would recommend that to to any young man. So ah, those, yeah. these are all really great things, man. No, so yeah, so um, accountability, mm-hmm. mental uh, mental health. Tools and the first one was was just starting out at that basis. Oh yeah, yeah. Self self awareness. Yeah, Yeah. self awareness assessment. I love it. Self awareness assessment is the first thing. Yep. Second, first thing. Second thing, accountability. Third thing, mental health tools. Like you said, I I love that because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like anything in sport, anything in life. It you win here. Right. 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 People don't realize that. Mm -hmm. Everyone's trying to get everything else. Right. But you win here. Yep. Once you're able to. Clear out the mind, deal with the trauma. Like you said, get get healthy, find your identity, find your purpose. You know yeah. what I mean? Really understand who I am. Like you said, that hard look in the mirror. Once you're able to win here, you're that one percent person. Yeah, that's it. Man. I love it, man. Renny. Yes, sir. You're a rock star, man. Appreciate it, man. So where can they reach out to you at? So you can get in contact with me through easiest way, my website, uh Rennycurrent.com, and then also on Instagram at Rennycurrent, Twitter. LinkedIn. I'm I'm very active on all those platforms, and yeah, anybody can can reach out to me. Always happy to help, man. And and uh, I'm an open book, man. So sounds good. All about us building each other and, and seeing each other win. Appreciate anything you got to share in closing, man. Um, you know, when I think about this time, like it's it's such a time of uncertainty. Like yeah. we talked about before, yeah. a lot of people going through transitions. A lot of people are going through things that they they never could have ever expected people mm-hmm. are losing their loved ones like all types of things are happening but you know i would just you know once again go back to what i said before about operating at the level of your vision yeah like a- after this time passes what are you going to have to show for it like mm. you know how are you going to l- use this time to your advantage um you know and, and just trust in growth mind you know having that growth mindset trust in abundance mm. and believing in that if you put that right uh, effort forward you surround yourself with the right people. You continue building yourself during this time, even yeah. when things look dark and things look, lo- you know, there's no uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Like you'll be able to look back on this time a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, and know that you know you have no regrets. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. Appreciate you, big bro. Oh yeah, yeah man. <laughs> so guys, make sure you reach out to Randy. Guys, send him some message. Send him some love. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. As always, guys. If you guys want some additional resources, we have them on Patreon. 10 Steps Healthy Man, of course, is available in the link in the description below. My name is Hafiz, and I'm joined by... Rennie Current. We are the roommates, and have a great day.